Welcome. Kia ora. Ni hao, anyong haseyo. Nice to see everyone here today, and it really is a wonderful season for us to be doing church together in. And, and can I say thank you again to those who nominated people for Christmas box, for those who generously uh, paid for and provided for Christmas boxes. Uh, I had the great privilege yesterday of delivering several of those and to, uh, to see the look on people's faces, and particularly those who have been struggling, uh, when they didn't expect anything at Christmas uh, was just profoundly moving. So thank you. It's been amazing. Now, I've, I've, is Elwin here? Is Elwin around? Elwin, are you here, buddy? It's got a look, I really felt God's got a word for you this morning if you are around. He's probably out getting a coffee, is he? All right, well, if we find Elwin, I'll give it to him later. That's just fine. Uh, we've recently moved into the city. Some of you may know that we live out in Maraitai, and uh, it's been a wonderful season living out there. And, um, but the, the, uh, the joys of, uh, of being able to participate in New Zealand's largest parking lot, i.e. the Southwestern Motorway, uh, has brought us to a place that we can no longer do that. And uh, after spending roughly three hours a day in my, my car, we've moved in to kind of a racky area. We're renting a house there just to, to try, try out what life is like living a little closer to work. And I can tell you, it has been a game changer for us. Uh, it's remarkable. You know, like Sunday morning, 12 minutes to work uh, versus uh, an hour to work uh, has, has just been extraordinary. And, and I've had some moments uh, in the midst of the last few months where I've been struck by, in comparison, how much stress I've eliminated from my life. Uh, you know, it's, it's a funny thing, isn't it? When you're in a place of stress, it just it kind of gnaws at you. When there's a lack of peace in your life, it kind of makes you into somebody you don't want to be. And having eliminated some of that and found some, some more peace in my life, I've been astonished. I'm actually a nicer guy than I thought I was. And that's been a real blessing. You know, in the stress of the holiday season, uh, with the fatigue of a big year behind us, um, sometimes with the challenges of a Christmas for some of us, who are facing things we didn't expect we were going to be facing. Maybe we've lost a loved one. Maybe our careers or our businesses didn't go the way we thought they were going to go this year. Sometimes we can find ourselves in a real place of stress at Christmas time. And we certainly, certainly saw that as we were delivering some of those incredible Christmas boxes yesterday. You know, Mary and Joseph arrived into Bethlehem at a time of great stress, personal stress, Mary was a teenager, she's pregnant, she's got this crazy story about it being an angel, no one really believes her. Joseph uh, has to travel back to Bethlehem for the census at the worst possible time. They arrive late, she's about to have a baby, they can find nowhere to stay and they end up being offered a shed where animals were kept. I mean that's the Kiwi term for where they were, it was a, it was a shed. And, uh, and in that place, far from midwives, um, or obstetricians or trained nurses. Mary gave birth to her firstborn, uh, whom they named Jesus, and he was wrapped up and laid in a feeding trough of all places as there was nowhere else except for the floor to put him. It was such an incredibly humble arrival in the midst of such stress. And, and at the same time, out on the hillsides around Bethlehem, suddenly the shepherds that were out there, it was lambing season, 
the shepherds that were out there uh, looking after their sheep were astonished when angels began to appear. Just it was like heaven had emptied. And angels were singing and they brought a message about this Savior that was born. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. The Bible says that every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And uh, in the midst of what was going on in this little stable in Bethlehem, uh, God had to share the message with others so that there were witnesses. And, and then those shepherds went into Bethlehem and found the baby just as the angels had foretold. It's always been interesting to me what the angels said. These, these emissaries, these messengers from heaven break out of the supernatural realm into the natural realm for a moment, are seen by men and they bring a message. And what is the message that heaven brings? I think it's intriguing. Let me read this to you from Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. It says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, this is what they said, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to, the, to those on whom his favor rests. Now, this, I think this angelic proclamation is extraordinary because, because heaven is making this grand promise about what Jesus is going to bring to the world. They don't have time for a, they can't read a book, it's not, it's not a multi-page kind of memo from heaven. It's, it's kind of got to be summarized into what is the thing that Jesus is going to do above all other things that Jesus is going to do. And it says that, that he is going to bring peace, peace on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. What does this mean? It's saying that Jesus is going to bring something into our lives that has the power to, to change how we experience life. He's going to bring something to us that enables us to shift the state that we live in so much of the time that we can enter into a more heavenly state. What Jesus is going to do impacts us on the inside and from the inside out. And you see this peace that he's going to bring firstly is practical the angel says peace on earth. It's not peace, peace in heaven. It's not peace even on heavenly people. It's peace for ordinary people on earth, people like you and me. This peace is practical. Secondly, this peace is provided. It says peace to those. It is given. This peace is not earned. It is a grace. It's not peace to those who have their finances sorted. It's not peace to those who have made it to church at least three out of every four Sundays for the last year. It's not peace to those whose children are not having any problems. It's peace to those on whom his favor rests. And I love this because this is where the third thing, this peace is personal. This peace is to people like you and me. And, and how do I know if I'm one of those people on whom God's favor rests? Well, Jesus himself in Luke chapter 4, as he gives his mission statement, as he talks about what he's here to do, he speaks about how the gospel is connected to this season of God's favor. And if you've received the gospel, I'm telling you, you have God's favor on your life. And this peace is available to you. The wonder of Christmas is that of all things, in what is honestly the craziest season of the year, God comes and he promises us peace. And, and we mustn't forget how big a deal peace is. Of all the things you need at Christmas, actually of all the things you need in life, 
You need peace. You see, peace is the pathway to contentment. It's the pathway to satisfaction in life. You can't have those things unless peace is with it. You know those images we all see every Christmas on television uh, of families at the beach at Christmas just having a fantastic time together? I'm telling you, it's no good if there's no peace. If mum is depressed, if dad is stressed, if the kids are bickering, if there's no peace, then that picture is just, it's just a facade. You know those pictures we see on the billboards of friends enjoying a summer barbecue as the sun goes down. It's no good if they're just pretending. It's no good if they're stressed. It's no good if they're out of relationship with the ones they love the most. If they've got no sense of purpose in their life, if there's no peace, then it's all just pretend. Because at the end of the day, it's something that goes on in here that actually enables us to experience joy, to experience life, to experience the good things that God wants for us. It is peace, ladies and gentlemen. It is peace that we need, and it is peace that Jesus promises. You see, peace is what calms the storm. That moment when you realize somewhere on the inside that you're going to be just fine. Peace is what turns chaos into something manageable, that sense of perspective that comes that says this too shall pass. I remember once seeing, uh, depicted in a documentary, uh, two men in a foxhole in, uh, in, in the war, bombing going on all around them, their buddies being killed, limbs being blown off, and then there was just this lull in the bombing. And these two guys in this foxhole looked up and saw the stars above them and began to chat and joke together. You know, in the midst of hell, it's not the absence of pain and challenge that means that we have peace. The peace is a perspective that we gain in the midst of whatever we're on that changes us on the inside. Peace is what happens when all of your fears and all of your worries are blanketed by something on the inside that wells up and restores a feeling of certainty and quietness, a feeling of control. Let me illustrate this. In East Sussex in England, there is a 14th century moated castle called Bodium Castle. It was built in 1385 by a former knight of Edward III with the permission of Richard II to defend the area against French invasion during the 100 Years' War. Now, it's a, it's, a very simple, it's a very simple castle. It's built in a large square with four massive towers, one in each corner overlooking the moat. And what they've found at the base inside one of the towers is they found a well meant to supply the garrison with water in times of siege. You see, an aqueduct bringing water from outside into the castle would be at the mercy of the enemy. But the enemy has no power over the well inside. Let me tell you, peace from God is a well inside. And in whatever you are going through, if you can find that place, if you can draw on that place, you will find what you need, regardless of what you are going through. And it's interesting because peace is one of the things that Jesus is most known for. And we often miss this. 
In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah is prophesying. He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and here it comes, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Now let me explain this to you by talking about a, a pastor called Chris Hodges. Now some of you will know of Chris Hodges. He, uh, he runs one of the largest church planning movements uh, on the planet today. He's a pastor of a church in America. And, and he is particularly well known for... Uh, Simple systems of doing church in a way that are fruitful and helps people discover the purpose in their lives. And he's currently impacting uh, the world, certainly this country, with these systems that he has produced. Simple, strategic, powerful systems for running fruitful churches that have been influential. Now, he has been so influential that he is, he's got a nickname. You want to know what his nickname is? He's called the Sultan of Systems. The Sultan of Systems. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Why is that? He lived his life in perfect peace. He brought his disciples into a place of peace and taught them how to live in that. He brings peace into every situation that he walks into. He offers peace to those who will follow him. A peace that is not dependent upon the facts or the circumstances or the situation we find ourselves in. And everything Jesus touches, he brings peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And you know, the peace of God is powerful. And the peace of God works in our lives in some fascinating ways according to Scripture. And let me just go through a few of these right now. First of all, the peace of God, it guides us. In 2 Corinthians, we read about Paul facing a dilemma. He says, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. You see, the peace of God or the lack of peace of God guided Paul in his journey and in his life. You know, many years ago uh, when we were living in Dunedin, uh, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, an avid second-hand shop kind of guy. You know, I love going to those places and finding things. Um, but the time had come when I just couldn't find a decent enough jacket in a second-hand store that would uh, keep me warm. It was Dunedin. And so we had a little bit of money saved up. And uh, it may have even been Christmas time, I can't remember. But we went to Katmandu, they had a big sale on, and we bought an absolute top of the line, fully waterproof, fully windproof jacket. Man, I was so, I never bought a jacket this expensive in my life. We bought this, we took it up the counter and, and we rang it up, we put it on the card and as the man was putting it in the bag, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, it's not for you. I really did not want to hear that right then. So I just tried to ignore this. I, I you know, took the jacket home. I was so excited. You know, I put the jacket on, and I had a problem now. Because something in me said, it's not your jacket. You can't wear it. So I, I took the jacket back off again. And I'm like, God, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I, I don't even have a jacket. Don't you want me to have a jacket? And I really thought God said to me, it's not your jacket. You bought it for your dad. I want you to bundle it up and send it to your dad. I'm like, my dad's got lots of jackets. I'm sure he's got lots of jackets. He doesn't need another jacket. But you know, when God's doing something... And the biggest problem was this, I completely lost my peace. I couldn't look at the jacket, I couldn't touch the jacket. It was just, 
It was like I'd stolen the jacket, even though I paid for the jacket. Finally, after wrestling with this for like two weeks, I took the jolly jacket that I had no peace about, I bundled it up, I put it in a box, I tied it up with string, I put my parents' PO box address on it, and I sent the thing off. Good riddance. I got a phone call three days later from my parents. My parents had gone into this particular city where they had a PO box because it had come to the point where they just had to buy my dad a jacket. His work involved being outdoors quite a lot in the rain and, and they just needed a jacket. They went to the post office box and they picked up the box that I'd sent and they carried it around with them all day. Why they went from shop to shop trying to find a jacket that was good enough quality that would fit them that they could afford. They just couldn't find one. They went home going, God, what are we going to do? Carrying this box all the way home. They get home and they cut open the box and there inside this box is a $400 Katmandu all-weather jacket that fitted my dad like a glove. How glad am I that I was guided by the peace of God. Amen. I'm telling you, the peace of God will guide you. Are you doing something scary? Have, have, you, have you lost the peace of God about something? or Have you got the peace of God about something? Let it guide you because God is wanting to do great things through your life. The second thing the peace of God does is the peace of God guards us. It guards us from what seeks to gain influence in our lives, from what seeks to control us or what seeks to pollute us. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, part of the reason why God gives us his peace is because, you know, when you get the peace of God in you, it's kind of addictive. It's kind of an incredible thing. And when you lose the peace, you know it. And part of, part of the purpose of that is so that you can understand when you're going in a direction that is not the direction God wants you to be going in. I remember one time I caught up with a good buddy of mine. Um, he was a, a church friend of mine. And we were hanging out. We had a day off. And and so we're like, hey, man, let's come around. We'll watch a movie together. And so he got this movie up in the video store, and we didn't know much about it. It had a couple of big-name actors in it. We are pretty excited to watch this. And, but as we started to watch this movie, it began to get darker and darker. It kind of took this violent turn. And the more we watched, the more we lost our peace until about a third of the way into the movie. We just looked at each other and went, bro, I just don't think I can, we can't watch this anymore. I just, I just don't feel right. We have to turn this off. And then, you know, like I could, I'm Scottish. Like, you know, anytime I pay for something, it's like, no. we turned it off. You know what the weird thing was? Just the little part of that movie that I saw kind of haunted me for months. Couldn't get it out of my head. Couldn't get it out. It was just, I felt, I felt like I'd been slimed by this thing. How grateful I am that the peace of God will guard me. And I want to say to, to you today, sometimes some of us were involved in something and we've lost the peace of God on it. You need to get out of that. You need to stop that. You need to move on from that. And we need to get back to the place where we have the peace of God again because God gives you that so that you can understand when you're on the right path. You know, the third thing the peace of God does is that it governs us. Colossians 3 verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule or govern in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace 
and be thankful. I've got so many stories of, of the peace of God and how important it is. Just a wee while ago, we had uh, our old people mover that we'd had for like a million years because we've got four kids and everyone with four kids finds you can't fit four kids into a view in a sedan, so you've got to buy a people mover. And it doesn't bother me. I don't mind people movers. Liz doesn't really, she's not really excited by people movers. So we had this great car, but it was getting to the point where it's starting to cost us money. So we sold it. You know when, you know when you sell something on Trade Me? And, it's, and as soon as you post it on Trade Me, people start calling you and you suddenly realize, oh, I put this on way too cheap. <laughs> so yeah, we sold this thing and, and, uh, and then we had to go looking for another car for Liz. And, and with the budget we had from selling the people mover, it was a fairly tight budget. So we did a lot of research and we went finally to this car yard and we found this car, which was the kind of model that we wanted, but it was just, it wasn't quite the one we wanted, but we could afford it, right? Who knows what it's like buying a car on a budget? We could afford it. It was a little underpowered. We didn't really like the, the, the color. It was a little bit noisy, um, but we could afford it, right? And so in the end I said, okay, yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. So I followed the guy uh, through to his office to fill out the paperwork. And then as we went up the stairs, something just happened like it was like something in me just like the bottom fell out of my piece and all of a sudden as I'm walking up the stairs I'm just going I shouldn't be buying this car I should not be buying this car I just don't feel good about buying this car and and, and I'm going don't be don't be weird Mike don't be weird like come on man you, you checked it out you've looked at a lot of cars this is fine be rational about this and as I'm walking up the stairs it was like the more I walked up the more peace just drained out of me and I got to the top, the guy pulls out the, the, the paperwork. I'm going, but God, we need a car. This looks like it's a good car. It's got a good service history. It's going to be fine. And at, by the end, I went to sign it. I'm a complete basket case. I said to the guy, buddy, I'm so sorry. I'm not buying this car. I just, I just can't buy this car. I said, I'm so embarrassed to do this to you. That's what I actually said to him. I'm so embarrassed to do this to you, but I'm not buying the car. Sorry. And he's looking at me like, what? What happened? I turned around, down the stairs, went off. And you know what the crazy thing is? Like two days later, we found the same model of car, a higher spec model, been looked after even better. It was just exactly what we wanted. We bought the car for a great price. It's going great. Katie drives. Liz doesn't even get to drive it now. Katie drives it all the time anyway. But you know, again, sometimes you've got to let the peace of God rule in your life. You've got to let it govern you in some of the decisions you make. And I tell you why I love that particular story. I love that particular story because it reminds me that God is interested in the practical things in my life, not just the spiritual things in my life. Amen? Now, I'm not saying you go to the grocery store and you go, Lord, I need, some, I need, I need a word from you. Is it sanitarium or is it picks? I just, the peanut butter thing, God, I just don't know. Now, I'm not saying that's what you have to do. But what I am saying is when you're in a situation and you lose the peace of God, Trust God and follow that and see what God will do. Amen. The last thought is this as we come to a close, is that the peace of God gathers. And I can't think of something more powerful at this time of the year when often we're getting together with others, we're getting together with family. For some of us, we're getting together with employees and work teams. You know, the, the peace of God gathers. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus speaking to his disciples and he's sending them out. To go into these different situations, he says, if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Jesus is sending his disciples out with just a few instructions, but one of those instructions has to do with peace. That, that, that when the peace of God is on a person, is in a place, then, then you can gather around that. And if there's no peace there, then you're going to have problems. But he talks about going into a place and bringing peace your peace. And, and I want to encourage each of us 
this Christmas. I, I don't know if you've got family coming over to your house or you're going over to someone else's house or what it is. But like, I know what families are like, right? Like every family has a few people. You, you have the, the lovely, outspoken aunt who always says stuff that's completely inappropriate. You, everyone has the weird uncle. You know, the weird uncle who's a little bit crazy and the kids love him, but all the adults are just totally embarrassed by him all the time. And then everyone has the, if, I'm not sure, I think everyone has, we have, everyone has the, the kind of slightly dysfunctional person who when they come around, you've got to quickly hide all the family silver or else it won't be there by the time that person leaves. You know, they, they get their own Christmas presents from your house. So, you know, we, we all have these kind of people that come into our world, but I'm telling you, the peace of God gathers. The peace of God touches people's lives. The peace of God creates an atmosphere in which anything can happen. I remember when I was first national leader of Elam, and one of my first jobs I decided to do was to go out and visit every one of our regional pastor gatherings around our movement. And I sat, and I sat with our pastors, and I said, I didn't come here to speak to you. I came here because I want you to speak to me. And I asked them questions. I said, what's going on? How are you? How is it pastoring a church in this area? What are we doing wrong? What's really going on? And there was stuff that was wrong. And there was stuff that they brought out that I didn't have answers for. And again and again, I found myself sitting amongst our pastors. And as I asked the questions, they would begin to break down. And they begin to cry in front of me. And hurts would come out. And, and, and pain would come out. And, and disappointments would come out. And, and I didn't defend or make excuses. But I did apologize. And I did commit myself to make some changes. And we had to leave some things in the past and move on. But my goal was to bring the peace of God into those situations. And something happened when I did that. I didn't come to be right. I came to make peace. I didn't come to defend other people's decisions or even my own decisions. I came to bring peace. And as a result, something began to happen amongst our pastors and in our churches that I believe is still bearing fruit today. You know, when it comes to Christmas, can I challenge you? Bring your peace into Christmas. Don't bring your concerns or your fears or your judgments or what's crazy uncle, whoever's coming and man, how are we going to manage him? What are we going to do with this? Now, I know there's a little bit of management around Christmas. But when you come to Christmas Day, when you come to Christmas gatherings, bring your peace. Let your peace rest on others. And you'll be amazed at what God can do. You see, the past doesn't define us unless we live in it. Our, our, our history is not our destiny. And maybe Christmas time is a time for you to, to let some things go. Maybe Christmas time is a time for you to take some different ways of doing things on. But you know, I believe today with all of my heart that God is holding out peace to us today. But He wants something in exchange. And God can't give us peace unless we let go of the things that are currently in our hands. And I believe God wants to say to us today that there are many people here that are carrying things in their hands, things that they're holding on to, grief that they're holding on to, loss that they're holding on to, failure that they're holding on to. And God is wanting to give you peace this Christmas, but He can only do it if you will lay down the things that you are carrying, if you will empty yourself of those things so that then God 
can then fill your hands and fill your heart. You know, today is Remembrance Sunday. And for some of us here, this year has been a year of loss. We've lost a loved one. And for some of us, Christmas is going to be a little different this year because maybe there's an empty seat that you didn't think was going to be empty this Christmas. For some of us, maybe we've lost a dream or an opportunity, something that we were pinning our hopes on, we thought was, was going to really turn things around for us and, and it just hasn't gone the way we thought. Maybe we're carrying a little failure or we're carrying a real sense that we weren't who we thought we were. In a few moments, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to carry these things, but we're going to bring them to the Lord and we're going to lay them down. And we're going to stand there with open hands just for a few moments, symbolically. And we're going to ask God to fill us with His peace in that place. At the back of our auditorium, we have roses. Many, many, many roses. And in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. We're going to worship God. But for you this year, if you're carrying something you know you shouldn't be carrying, if you have lost somebody and you've still got grief that is filling your hands and your arms. If there's somebody or something you want to remember before the Lord or that you want to lay down before the Lord, I'm going to ask you to go down to the back and grab one of those roses and then come up to this altar. And what I want you to do is I want you to just come to this altar and bring what it is. And as best you can, imagine that what you're holding, this flower that you're holding, is all that you feel you have lost. Something from your past. And I want you to offer it to the Lord and I want you to lay it down. And then just for a moment, I want you to stand with open hands before Him and let Him pour His peace into your world this Christmas. Can we all stand together just for a moment? I want to pray as we do this. You know, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. You know, I can't encourage you enough that He loves you, that He brought you here this morning for a purpose. And I would so encourage you to do the same. Come and bring up this flower representing your old life, your old ways, and lay it down and commit yourself to receiving from Him His life for you, His ways. He loves you. He has a purpose for you. He wants you to know Him. But until you lay down your sin, he can't fill you with all he has for you. If that's you today, we'd love to invite you to do the same. So come on, let's take a moment this morning as we do this. Mighty God, we thank you, Lord, for Remembrance Sunday. And Lord, as we stand here, some of us carrying grief, some of us carrying failure, some of us carrying fear. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that as we take one of these things this morning and bring and lay it down before you, Father, as we empty ourselves and empty our hands, as we trust you with those things, as we commit them to you, God, we ask you to fill us with peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in just a moment, we're going to do this. And I, I, I hope we've got enough roses for all who want to do this. If you happen to be a bit late down there and there's no roses left, you don't need a rose. Just come up and, and symbolically open your hands to the Lord. Hand over to Him whatever it is that you're carrying. But let there be a divine transaction in your life this morning. Oh God, God, we come to you this morning as imperfect people. Coming in a beautiful season, Lord, coming to the God who promises us peace. Jesus, I thank you that you are the Prince 
of peace. And as you dwell in our hearts, God, as you come to our lives, Father God, you want to see that in our hands and in our hearts. Father, we remember those we've lost this Christmas. We remember those opportunities and those challenges that we've faced that we have had to lay down. God, we empty ourselves this morning that you might fill us in Jesus' name.